that's how you make eggs in the Cyclops trainer. Hey, podcast listener, you're listening to the Semi Pro Cycling Podcast, the weekly podcast where we discuss all the issues that cyclists talk about. Whether you're out training, commuting, or just riding around, sit down and listen in because we're about to begin. I got something to say, man. Yo-ho, welcome to episode 68 of the Semi Pro Cycling Podcast, where we believe that only a semi pro cyclist rides for love and not money. If you stick around to the end, I'll fill you in on the quote from the top of the show and let you know who is cooking eggs in a trainer and why. Hey there, semi pros. My name is Damien Roos. I'm the founder of Semi Pro Cycling, home of the Semi Pro Cyclist, and a very quick review to get today underway. Entertaining and great advice, five stars from Travis Braithwaite from Canada. Hey, Damien, great podcast. Love that the advice you provide is qualified and professional. I listen to your program and get pumped to ride my bikes. Best cycling podcast out there. Keep it up. Thank you very much, Travis. That is absolutely the bomb that you've taken the time out to go to iTunes and drop that review in there. And definitely a reminder to you that if you do like the show, please take some time out to give me a review because five stars make me go a zing, a zing, a zing, ah. Thank you very much. Now, the news and articles this week. Well, more just articles, and I've been doing a deep dive into Reddit. And if you don't know Reddit, And I would say part of me says you're missing out. The other part of me says don't do it. It's like starting coffee, I imagine. And that addiction will soon become the bane of your existence. Maybe I'm going a little bit too far here, but definitely it is super interesting. And there is a competitive cyclist subreddit that you can check out that has loads of good stuff, including an Ima. Ima, Phil Phil Guyman, pro cyclist for Bissell. Now he's riding next year or 2014 for Garmin Sharp. He answers questions and he pretty much goes into a lot of detail when it comes to his cycling life, what he does, things he walks you through workouts, his top five mistakes that young riders that are eager to cat up make, which include crashing over training, dieting, taking bad advice and worrying too much about equipment, what he thinks about during long rides. It really covers a lot of great things. It's a really cool insight into someone that's been around a long time, working hard, and now has made the jump to the Euro Peloton. So check it out. That is super interesting. I've got the link in the show notes. Also, what I came across was Ted King. We all know Ted King, right? Ted King is on Strava, and he has all of his rides and all of his power numbers on there. I don't know if you follow any other pros on Strava, but they tend to hold back certain bits of information, and in some cases, it's justified. But i got to say, good on you, Ted King, and it's interesting checking out this guy's power numbers because he is a pro, and you can compare yourself. The final article, well, it's a video And I'm not sure where I came across this, but I've got to say it's a great video on how to race a cyclocross race. And it is broken down. It's like a World Cup and it's broken down each little part. And it is excellent. If you could have videos like this for every type of racing that there is, I believe everyone would be a much better cyclist. It's high quality. I put the link in the show notes. It's on Vimeo. If you are in the depth of the cyclocross season, I would highly recommend it because it will motivate you to get out there in the mud and the rain or whatever conditions winter is throwing at you. But definitely if you're not into cyclocross, I would still check it out because the way it's broken down, you can apply certain things to other types of racing. We're here in the in the south of Spain uh, for a bunch of reasons. Uh, it's warm. 
down here. Uh, at this time of year, you know, the riders, when they're out on their bikes six, seven hours every day, doing that in the rain and freezing cold of some of the northern climates around the world, it, you just basically, you just don't get the training done. This way, we provide the best environment for them to, to get in all the miles that they need to get done. We are sort of in the off-season, but I'm sure the big teams and lots of people are already starting to plan training camps. So I've got some top tips to get you through them in better shape and to actually put them into your strategy so that they work out better for you and for your season. And what can I say about cycling training camps? It's really not just chasing the sun and warmer weather, which is exactly what Jonathan Vorders was talking about at the start, but it's really what you can do in that weather that winter where you are doesn't allow for it. Now, if we're talking Australia, it's very rare not to be able to go out in Australia. It might be horrible, but it's not as horrible as a lot of northern hemisphere places in winter with snow and the rest of it. But if we're talking pros and training camps, they're a lot more complicated, especially when you have the big one and the first meeting of the year where everyone's getting together. They have new equipment, new kit, they have press and media appointments and a whole stack of garbage, which we can do without, which we don't actually have to deal with unless you're on a smaller team or whatever, but it's all scaled down. So you don't have to deal with all that other stuff. And I really think this is the big advantage of training camps. They are definitely a chance to live like a pro, but only in the sense that you were doing the riding only. You can pretend to live like a pro for a couple of weeks, which is pretty cool, but you set your own rules so it's even better. So if you think of it more like a working holiday, then you're going to have a better way to frame it in your mind when you think about how you can fit it into your season and what you want to get out of it. And where we all have the opportunity here is that we can definitely just put something together and ride. And that focus is very important and that's one of the strengths of training camps. And we can do it even better as a semi-pro because it's rare that you get this much time to train. So cycling is definitely a selfish sport and it affects other people in your family and those around you. But this allows for a little bit of extra selfishness and a little bit of more of ability just to focus on your cycling over a couple of weeks or whatever. You can definitely bring the fam along, but even then, they all know why you're there. So at least when you're out riding, they're going to leave you alone. By now, I'm guessing that you've already figured out that I'm a fan of training camps, even though I can't admit to being on a commercial one, only sporting academy ones. But that's the beauty of it because training camps is such a loose term that it can describe anything from fully supported sessions with everything taken care of to self-supported group rides over several days, or even touring through the Alps could be considered a training camp if you're training for a touring race. No, I'm only joking. But if you're training for something that matches your event and your macro cycle that you're in, then that's where you're going to get the value from. So the biggest thing when choosing a camp is working out your requirements first and then finding one to match or even just creating your own if you can't find one that matches. And it all starts, as most things in competitive cycling do, with your chosen A race and your annual training plan. And this may sound all obvious to you, especially 
especially to those super keen beans that have already got down their training plans in place for the entire year. But if you don't have a plan, even a rough one is going to help you and it's going to save you from wasting time and dropping cash on a training camp just because you're lured away by seductive scenery and the thought of massages and wine at the end of each ride. But what really is the best time to go on a training camp? Choosing the right time to go on a training camp is crucial and this varies definitely from one rider to the next. So if you are in a team, it may be easier to select a training camp to go with your buddies, but if all the people you ride with are doing different things, then it might not be as obvious that you should all go to one training camp if you're trying to get different results at different types of events. So the pros definitely start a little earlier, around November or December is when they start getting ready. But you've got to consider they have a long, long, long season and they have the capacity and there is the necessity for them to put it in earlier. There definitely are options to do these earlier. So you can throw in a training camp earlier if you really, really want to. And depending on the timing of your event, it may be necessary. So if you've got a big race in March, then December, could be a good time to get in some good base kilometers. But then again, you don't want to make it too close to the race because you're going to be cactus for the main event when that comes around and you won't have time to recover and tape up before you get to that main event. So timing is very, very crucial here. And commonly, the commercial training camps are placed between late February and early April. And of course, this is the US. But if you're talking in Australia, something like the Bright Boot Camp, which I'll link to, is perfectly timed for the Tour of Bright in December. It's actually happening this weekend, but it's four weeks out from the big event, which I would say is about the minimum that you want to do because outside of that, like I said, you don't have enough time to recover and get in a proper taper. So I'd finish up a big block of training in the hills. So I would aim to have a big block of long or hard sessions right at the end and then you have a break, and then you go into a taper. So that way, you can carry the form into the race, and timing here is more about having the fitness to get through the extra training, but not wiping yourself out before the race. So you want to build up to the point where you drop into the training camp at the last one or two weeks, and they're your biggest one or two weeks possibly of the year. The big thing with Doing this, though, is it may be more than the 5 or 10%, which is definitely recommended from myself when you're talking about adding on each week's volume or intensity. So watching your recovery is especially crucial when it comes to this stuff, and it's very easy to get caught up in the hype of riding with other riders, and pride, I can say, is definitely a big one that gets in the way when you're riding with other people. So to combat this, have clear goals going into the camp. Also have clear goals going into each ride at the camp. Know your zones and know where you want to be sitting at certain parts of the ride and don't push above and go into crazy zones if your training ride doesn't call for it. I'm just reminding you here that this is classic group riding stuff and when you're training outside of a training camp, this is where you always think about what's the benefit of going with the group versus going with myself and can I get the workout I want? in the group situation. You've got to look at it at a bigger level when you're thinking about this. But just remember that you have to put a lot more effort into these group rides. And if it's four weeks out from your A race, definitely ride smart. 
Things like massages can help with recovery, but really they're more about sorting out niggles that stop you from training. And it's not like you're going to go get something that is corrective when you're in the middle of these hard training sessions. It's more about just fixing the small things so you can get away with the extra training that you're actually doing. The old why stand when you can sit and why sit when you can lie down definitely applies here. Maybe not if you've got a family, but definitely everybody else it does. So it's kind of going to be antisocial time when you're off the bike, unless you're all lying down together in some weird, oh, I'm not even going there. Okay. So even considering what you can control, which is all of that stuff, there are definitely times when bad things will happen. And when you're pushing your body so hard, you are effectively teetering on the edge of disaster. And that disaster is sickness. So there is more about protecting yourself from any bugs or viruses. And that's the stuff that hits you by surprise. My last coach used to get me to buy a travel Lysol spray, which is just like a disinfectant spray. And she'd have me spray every single doorknob before I touched it. And I got to say, it's a good tip. And you're going to look like a freak anyway. You're a cyclist. People already think you're weird. So just embrace it. Go that step further so you don't have to explain what you're doing because they would have already put you in the too weird basket. But other things like watching food you eat is important. So it's less important with the consistency and quality of Western food compared to if we are talking about certain other areas in the world where hygiene quality is a little bit more questionable and you have to think about the conditions that they are prepared and served in and whether your body can actually handle that. But still, we talk about not experimenting on race day and I've got to say, do not experiment when you're at a training camp. Uh, So you're not experimenting in a race, in training, and you're not using any other types of foods here that you are not used to or you're unsure of your reaction, how your reaction will be. So make sure you know what food is going to be served and make sure that you're cool with it, meaning your body will handle it well. So every day is crucial at the training camp and you don't want to bug out with something that was easy to avoid. So check with the people that are running the training camp that this food is good for you. Also, while I'm thinking about the group element, Keep your drinking in check and not to be all preachy preachy here, but it's all too easy to get carried away with your new buddies and while the conversation flows, try to hold back the wine. You want to reward yourself at the end of a big day, but you don't want to go overboard with wine and even the amount of food that you're having. The same goes for too long at the coffee shop. Get your ass out there and ride. Don't be spending too much time sipping lattes in the sun. But the group dynamic, though, is definitely good in my opinion. I think there is a lot of strengths that go along with the group dynamic as long as all these other things are controlled. And one of the big ones I feel is that they are a challenge. They're mentally, physically, they throw things at you that you can't prepare for or you can't cop out of if you're out on your own. So if you're in it for a hard hit out or a practice race, this element will make the difference in your preparation. It will be such a huge factor in getting you ready because you are getting ready with skills, with mental ability to hang on to a wheel or attack or just to be at the right place at the right time. A large group of a similar ability will definitely create a perfect environment for you to improve in. And like I said, mentally, I think this is one of the strongest points when it comes to riding with the group. Even if you are gregarious, you're probably coming off the back of some solitude through winter training or some dedicated solo training of some type. So then jumping in a group is going to sharpen all the little things that you forget about back up. So knowing that you have a trip booked in the sunny weather is definitely a perfect motivation to get you through training, steadily in winter and it'll encourage you just to do enough 
so you can handle the training while you're out in the camp. And that is something that I stressed before and it's something I'll stress again because I feel it's really, really important that the timing works well with your overall annual training plan. Otherwise, it's going to throw it all off and you're going to waste your time especially if you don't have the fitness to do it in the first place or you get sick at the end of it because you couldn't handle the intensity or volume that you were throwing at yourself. And so to kind of wrap this up here, I'm going to finish here with my top 10 tips for getting the most out of training camps. Starting with number one, when you are on the flight out there, stay hydrated, focused, use compression socks or tights, and make sure when you get off the plane, you're ready to go. You don't want to stuff around so that you're feeling like crap and you're drained before you even start. Number two, match the terrain to suit your training and racing goals. It sounds obvious, but What I would highly recommend is you know the terrain that you're going into and does that match what you're doing. There is no point doing 30-minute climbs if you're only ever going to be doing two-minute power climbs in the actual event that you're racing in. So make sure that you can actually train in the type of terrain that you will be racing in and you get the most bang for your buck that way. Okay, number three, going for an all-inclusive package means you just can focus on the riding. I've got to say, it is probably the best way to go. Outside of going for an inclusive package, there are other things that you have to consider, which is cleaning your bike, shopping for food, um, looking for massages, anything else like that that you don't have. I think of having the luxury of just arriving at the end of a ride. Everything else is taken care of for you, and all you have to do is arrive the next morning and you're ready to go. I think there is added benefit and value in that. I'm sure you'll have to look around for packages that suit you in regards to the cost because they're a bit exy when they're all inclusive. I think the benefit is definitely there. Number four, and I'm going to just reinforce this, make sure you have an aim and a goal and you communicate it. So the first step of the aim and the goal is to figure out what type of training camp you want to go to and whether it suits those. But if you can't get one exactly, try and communicate with the person and get them to tailor sessions to you. I'm sure they will be flexible in getting sessions tailored to you because this is the point of a training camp. It's not just riding around looking at the beautiful scenery. You want to get something out of this fitness-wise. And so that is where the owners of the training camp can adjust any training plans or any sessions so that you get the most out of that. And I think that is where they add value. Number five, take it easy on the first day. I'm sure we all do this with certain things. I know I sometimes do this with drinking. I haven't drunk for a while, then I go nuts, and then I regret it for months. And now, it's not going to be that bad, but if you go super hard on the first day, try and show off to everybody, put it in at the climbs, other than looking like a wanker if you're attacking people or half-wheeling them, then you're not going to be able to back up. So you want to take it easy, depending on how hard, whether it's intensity or volume that you're trying to train, They'll probably have an effect on the outcome if you do go a little mental in the first day, but just holding back, checking things out, seeing how you feel, making sure that you've traveled okay and your body's doing all right, I think that is going to be the best advice, and then you can start ramping it up the days after that. Number six, look for camps with presentations by visiting professionals in different fields. I think you really want to maximize your time. When you are just recovering and doing nothing in the afternoons, it would be great time to absorb some energy. I know your brain kind of goes after a hard day on the bike, but just having people there that you can talk to that are professionals, that know what they're talking about, I think the value there is much greater than having a free afternoon where you are just tempted to go to the pool and do nothing. Why not cramp in as much education, physical, mental, everything, put all those elements in there. And so you have a blockbuster couple of weeks and you just come out firing on all cylinders with new knowledge and new fitness, new friends and new motivation just to hit 
the race hard. Number seven, have a coach handy. So much like having professionals doing presentations, definitely having a coach there is going to help you avoid overtraining. It's going to be able to answer certain questions you have. You may have a coach at home that won't be there, but I would definitely say just having someone there that it can even watch technique or give you a fresh set of eyes on any problems that you have is going to be really handy and add value to your actual training camp. Number eight, try avoid hiring a bike. I actually know the impracticalities of getting a bike around the world because I've done it a lot, but I've got to say the extra cost is really worth it because I can say from personal experience right now that I'm hanging out and I didn't bring my bike and it's really a bit of a pain in the ass. If I do borrow a bike, then there's going to be compromises with my position because I don't have three stems to swap out so I can get it perfect or whatever. So that's going to be the big thing. If you can't do it, then maybe taking a stem, a saddle, definitely taking pedals, that can make the transition a little bit easier. But if you can't hire the exact same bike, then just reconsider taking your own. And number nine, have fun because it is a holiday after all. I'm sure people forget this when they're in the middle of training and I'm sure that this may be the point that they get hard rides in and they don't have to worry about what they're doing. But you got to have some fun. Make it a little bit more social. Don't make it this super competitive all the time. If it is, make it on the bike, but off the bike be buddies. You're going to be a loser. You're going to be riding solo in the group, and no one's going to talk to you if you don't just chill out a little bit and have some fun. And number 10, arrive with a clean bike and a positive attitude, ready to roll. There is nothing like someone that is bitching and moaning about all these things. Take it all in your stride. Be prepared for setbacks. Be prepared for crap food, crap accommodation, but make the most of the riding because that is what you can control and that is what you're there for. All right, the tech hacks and product section, and this week the product is Jaybird Headphones. It's no lie that I'm a big fan of listening to music and podcasts, well, mostly podcasts and books, actually, while I ride. So why not invest in a set of headphones that have three killer features? Firstly, they're sweat-proof, or at least they've got a lifetime sweat warranty, which is good because I don't know how well you know me, but my nickname is The Gland. Secondly, wireless Bluetooth. You don't have to fidget around with any cables. You don't have to cut a hole in your jersey. And that is a huge benefit to me. And finally, you get some in-ear holder thingies. I don't know about you, but my ears are really funny shaped. Only one of it holds a earbud in. The other one just spits it out. So I've got to have something else to hold it in. And having these things actually hooking in my ear and not looking too bad compared to the over-ear ones, I think is a massive benefit. Definitely... Bam, sold. Well, not quite yet. I don't own them because they're steep. They're 170 bucks, and I don't know whether I can justify that just yet, but they are Bluetooth wireless, and that is kind of sexy and attractive to me. They have a little bit of junk around the ear where you can have volume and stuff, so I'm not sure how they'll work with sunglasses, but I do think they're kind of worth it, and I'm on the fence, and I'll let you know whether I actually get them or not, but they're 170 bucks, and that's free shipping in the US, but everywhere else it's like 30 bucks extra you got to add. So that's 200 large for a pair of headphones, which you're talking about high fidelity stuff here. And I don't know about the quality, but they really piqued my interest because of those three killer features. And because I can't vouch for them directly and don't own a pair yet, I just wanted to bring them to your attention. And if they solve these important issues for you, I really want to know whether these problems are worth that much to you. Because right now, I'm guessing that the keenest of keen beans will be into these 
And that's about it. And if that's you, though, let me know. Now, let's get to that quote from the top of the show. It's some clowns from a trick store in the US removing the fluid from a Cyclops trainer and replacing it with egg. I think it's just a cheap publicity stunt that has definitely worked because it got my attention. But I think the funniest part about it, the whole gag is the excessive disclaimers they use because I don't know how that fluid taste with egg and how well they cleaned out that chamber but don't be too afraid um i don't think any jackass is going to take this seriously guys you are the guys that ate it from the fluid compartment which is easy and anyway that is it for this week so till next week get on your bike and enjoy the pain cave or the hurt box whichever one you're into (laughs) 